CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Bitstamp and the Galaxy Brains Podcast. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Coindesk TV. I'm Zach Seward. I am joined by Wendy O, Jen Sinassi, and Will Foxley. We are The Hash, coming to you live on your favorite video streaming platform. Good to be here. Now it's day two of FTX collapse conversation on Capitol Hill. This time, Senate Banking Committee is holding a hearing. You're looking at a live shot of that conversation right now. Now, yesterday we saw the House do something similar. We're hearing more from key U.S. lawmakers. And starting us off on that story of the day is Wendy O. Wendy. (sighs) Happy Wednesday, everybody. So the panel hearing is today is the second week by Congress to analyze the FTX collapse. They're examining how the failures of FTX could impact the entire industry, but you all know what that means. Here's what Senator Sherrod Brown, Senate Banking Committee Chairman, had to say. Take a listen. The myth of Sam Bankman-Fried and his crypto trading success was supposed to impress us. We're still learning how he shuffled money between FTX and his trading firm, Alameda Research, a name calculated to sound as generic as possible to avoid raising eyebrows while sending money across the world. FTX and Alameda Research took advantage of the crypto industry's appetite for speculation. They were able to borrow and lend from other platforms and invest in other crypto firms, inflating the crypto ecosystem and growing their own profits. Okay, so guys, one of the things I want to say is if you take a look at everybody that's at the hearing, you'll notice their age. And I think that we can all agree. We need to get people that are younger to represent us and talk about this type of stuff. But anyways, Brown also said that lawmakers can look at existing banking and securities laws for time-tested approaches as a way of overseeing the crypto industry. However, where were the regulators when all of this stuff was going down? That's a question that I have. He said, if we want to learn from FTX's meltdown, we must look closely at the risks from conflicts at crypto platforms that combine multiple functions. And of course, something from Kevin O'Leary. He claimed that Binance and FTX were at war with each other for some time, which Kind of looks like it was true from some of the tweets, but at the same time, um, he did say that CZ, he believes CZ was attempting to put FTX out of business. I don't think that was the ultimate cause of FTX's demise. I just think it accelerated it. Binance is a massive unregulated global monopoly, Leary said. FTX is a use case for the need of regulation. 
the lack of regulation is what caused the collapse. And then on a side note, Kevin O'Leary was a paid spokesperson of FTX. Personally, I don't care if somebody was a paid spokesperson of anything. It's just becoming very ridiculous, some of the comments that he's making, because our entire industry is at stake. I want to give this over to Will, though, for a take. Yeah, I'll grab for a second. I watched 15 minutes of this dribble, and that's what it was. I didn't see anything that was informative or interesting. I saw a lot of grandstanding. I saw people talking about issues that had nothing to do with FTX. And why? Because they're not interested in FTX. They're interested in getting their names associated with cryptocurrency and taking down Sam Bankman Freed and his giant empire. They just want this for votes. And I think that's become very clear during this whole discussion. If you tune in for even a minute, you're not going to hear very informative takes. You're going to see better stuff on Twitter.com. The things I saw trying to take down Bitcoin mining to trying to just discuss how uh, crypto has moved across shores and how that's not safe to applying different securities laws from the 1930s to modern technology. A lot of things that just don't make sense, Wendy. And I think we need some better lawmakers on this discussion every time. And if you go back over the years, this has been the case, right? We actually have this every four years with crypto's cycles. We actually have the same conversation. I I was there in 2018, 2019 on Capitol Hill, listening to a very similar conversation from very similar Congress people talking about how we needed more regulation on top of crypto. And maybe what happened with FTX brings us across the finish line to getting some clarity from the SEC on what crypto tokens are. But in my opinion, and just like Kevin O'Leary said this morning, I think we're going to be here again in four years with the same conversation. Jen, I'll throw it over to you. Well, Wendy, there was one young person there, and that was actor Benjamin McKenzie, who you may recognize from the OC. So I just had to point out that there was one young person (laughs) speaking this morning. Um, So I was listening. I also was just really kind of frustrated with what I was hearing. And then when Senator Lummis spoke, I was like, thank goodness, maybe she's going to speak some sense into this hearing. She said, this is not a trial on digital assets. This is a failure of people, safeguards and regulation, not technology. And that was the biggest takeaway from this for me. I'm so happy that she was able to say it. But unfortunately, directly after she said this, Warren brought up money laundering, criminal activity, North Korea, Iran, and the conversation just steered completely away from FTX again. So, Will, I agree with you. I think that this is an opportunity to put digital assets on a trial when we really should be talking about the corporate failures of FTX. Zach, what did you think? I'm over it. Season finale was last (laughs) night with the SBF perp walk going from a courthouse in the Bahamas into a car looking dazed, wearing a suit and a shirt with no tie, being hauled off to one of the worst prisons in the world. Movie ended. This is all just B-roll. This stuff that the Senate is talking about, don't care. We saw the same thing yesterday. At least they got John J. Ray III to show up and situate the conversations of facts. They're just bringing in whoever the hell they want to have some conversations that don't seem to be especially rooted in the present moment as it relates to what happened with FTX. I got nothing more to say. I got nothing more to say. I'm giving it to Wendy. I got to say that this is going to make a really great novella. Those are my favorite to watch always all the time. And, and do you guys think that Sam, well, tinfoil crown on, do you guys think that Sam will actually be in that prison or is this all for show? Food for thought. I don't I know. My boy Sam's in that prison. I don't know about these conspiracies. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, Wendy. All right. Let's let's move on. Let's talk about another behemoth when it comes to centralized exchanges. So Binance CEO CZ took to Twitter spaces 
and said that 99% of people who self-custody will lose their crypto. He said holding your own crypto is not risk-free. He made these statements just hours after it was reported that he warned staff to expect turbulent times ahead. You'll remember yesterday we reported that Binance saw outflows of more than $900 million earlier this week as customers are rushing to self-custody, given what's happening in the industry. Zach, I'm throwing it back to you. All right. Well, yeah, I wasn't here on this basis, so I don't know what additional context was uttered around these words, but he is right in spirit, if at least not in data point, right? These things are all about trade-offs. Holding your own coins has its trade-offs. We've all seen the story about crypto millionaires rummaging through the dump, looking for old hard drives that hold tons and tons of Bitcoin from the early days that they weren't able to recover, right? That's a trade-off. You have to be responsible enough to be your own bank. Storing your crypto on an exchange is also a trade-off. You're entrusting someone not to pull an FTX on you. Both these things are trade-offs. And I think if he was situating these remarks in the context of that conversation, I'm all for it. As for the memo that was reported and confirmed by Coindesk earlier today, yeah, we've seen these before. These are sort of the you know, calming some frayed nerves within big organizations. And let's see what happens. This is an unfolding situation. So far, things seem to be holding up with Binance. We saw those massive outflows in the last uh, day or two. We talked about that on the show yesterday. We've seen some inflows in the other direction coming back onto the platform. We're going to see how this ultimately pans out. Uh, but Binance is certainly being closely watched right now uh, as it relates to how people are engaging with this big centralized exchange, which remains you know, a huge force in the world of crypto. So this is certainly one to watch. This memo is interesting, as are the comments about self-custody, but it really comes down to optionality and trade-offs. We talk about it time and time again, and I think that's at the root of some of these comments. Wendy, throwing it to you. So I want to actually separate Binance from the equation and really look at what he said. What he said is self-custody is hard, and it is very hard because a lot of people are not able or capable of taking responsibility for their actions. And if you transfer cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, whatever it is, to cold storage and you don't practice good OPSEC, if you don't write down your seed phrase, if you have poor practices, you can lose your crypto. So a lot of people decided to use centralized exchanges because they thought that they were safe. They thought that they're licensed and regulated in whatever place that you were in. That was a narrative that was kind of being pushed. So I do agree with what he said. However, I do recommend that people learn some of these safe practices and custody their own coins or at least start practicing to because it's coming to a time where we're kind of going into battle with a lot of the regulators and who knows what's going to be left in the next couple of years. Okay, I didn't listen to the Twitter spaces. And so everyone just come at me. But am I the only person that thinks this is very opportunistic after $900 million leaves the platform? That's easy as like, it's not as easy as you think. It's pretty hard, guys. You guys should just keep your money on Binance because it's just going to be safer here. Do not trust yourself. Your money's going to go missing. It's going to end up in a garbage dump. Someone's going to steal your seed phrase. Binance is safe. I think it was opportunistic. And that's all I have to say. Will. I think that's a highly fair point. I say <laughs> thumbs up to that. Well, okay. Let's put, you guys know the midwit meme, right? So we have like the oh, little yeah. bell curve here. So I think that there's a little bit of this here, right? Yes. On one side, it is probably easier to hold all your assets on an exchange and not to move them off there. And you're basically holding onto the trust of the exchange as opposed to yourself. On the other side of the bell curve, we have the idea that, hey, yeah, we should trust an exchange because it's going to have better security than me. I'm not going to get hit by a wrench and someone's going to steal my C phrase. In the middle of the bell curve, we kind of have this idea of, 
oh, uh, they're just opportunistic. They're trying to take my assets and hold up their exchange. So I think there's a little bit of that going on here. And I apologize for explaining a meme live on TV. That's a little bit unfair, but I think that is a fair point when we're looking at CZ's method here, because it is a little bit true. There's a little truth in everything he's saying, right? Like maybe you don't want to hold assets on Binance because maybe it's just, you know, perpetuating a, a conversation which we're seeing on Twitter right now, which is that Binance is quote unquote insolvent. That's speculation and five. We don't really know anything about it, but that is a conversation on Twitter right now. And that's a good background and context for what's happening on Binance. On the other side of the conversation, crypto has a unique ability to hold your own keys, hold your own coins, and you should learn self-custody. It's getting easier day by day, right? We just talked about that new Ledger product about a month ago. It's a pretty slick product. And I think people are going to start moving over to that. So I agree with what what CZ said in spirit, but you should also learn to custody your own keys. Times are tough, particularly for crypto. But Bitstamp's different. Bitstamp is the longest-running crypto exchange and among the most regulated in the world, which includes a bit license in New York and a payment institution license in Europe. And when it comes to your funds, with Bitstamp, your crypto belongs to you. All your fiat and crypto are kept 100% separated. It's why Crypto Compare ranked Bitstamp the number one crypto exchange, awarding them the highest possible AA rating. Learn more at bitstamp.net. Hey, Will Foxley here, co-host of The Hash. One thing we can take away from everything going on in crypto right now is that it's important to go deep and verify. Crypto Twitter is great, but 280 characters can only go so far. One podcast we love is Galaxy Brains. Here's the host, Alex Thorne, head of research at Galaxy Digital. Thanks, Will. For in-depth takes and probing analysis on topics, trends, and events across the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency ecosystem, check out Galaxy Brains, our weekly podcast. Find Galaxy Brains on your favorite podcast app and on galaxy.com forward slash research. Presented to you by one of the most trusted teams in the industry. Let's go back to Capitol Hill. We started off in the Senate hearing, which just wrapped a moment ago. In that hearing, U.S. Senators Elizabeth Warren and her co-signer, Roger Marshall, Republican of Kansas, introduced a bill to crack down on money laundering and terrorist financing as it relates to the cryptocurrency sector. All right, much of the same in here. We've seen a lot of this language in the past. This is not entirely groundbreaking. I think the interesting response is the immediate response from crypto advocacy group Coin Center, calling this thing an unconstitutional assault on cryptocurrency self-custody, end quote that doesn't have much to do with some of the corporate fraud that was revealed at FTX. So this obviously in the wake of FTX, this is the moment that this stuff is being presented. You got to make hay while the sun's out. And these senators seem to be doing so. So we'll discuss this. It involves some proposed FinCEN language that we've seen in the past and a bunch of other things. I'm going to toss it straight to Will for his thoughts on this bill. Yeah, Bill's very opportunistic, which we've seen with Senator Elizabeth Warren quite a few instances, right? This is kind of her play card. Uh, she often talks about economics and about how uh, the middle class or other classes within the United States are being preyed upon. And crypto is just one angle for that entire story. So I don't think if you look at her track record as a politician, this is actually very surprising. And over the last 18 months, we've certainly seen her harp on the subject as well. In terms of the conversation for this bill itself, it's already been denounced by teams like Coin Center, which are lobbying on behalf of the industry. This would really take down a lot of different players in the industry. It's not just 
sniped at FTX. It's actually pointing at miners, it's pointing at nodes, it's pointing at validators, it's pointing at open source software. These are all things that make crypto what it is. They'd have to apply KYC measures to their teams, which are frankly unconstitutional in many certain ways. But it's definitely an angle that a lot of people within the anti-crypto team are wanting. They want people to be KYC. They want miners and validators and nodes to be KYC'd. In a lot of instances, this is just not plausible. And we know that from past instances, or even the Trump administration back in 2020 tried to get this on the way out the door, and that did not happen. But like with all things in Washington, D.C., they seem to be like zombies and they come back. We have to have the conversation once again. Wendy, I want to throw the conversation up to you, though. Okay. One of the things that I want to say is I don't have it in front of me. I was scouring the internet for it, but I know that one of SPF's parents worked on a bill with Warren in the past. So I think that's something that everybody should research and look into. This is a parent that Warren is going to be very opportunistic. Somebody that grew up lower middle class, I don't feel the need to be protected by any government entity when it comes to my money. I think I'm educated and well-versed enough to decide what I'm able to do with my money and make good decisions. I don't want her to represent me. I don't want her to represent where I came from. And I think that this is very crass. And I think that it's very also detrimental to the industry because what are just to the American people, it's disrespectful. The fact that she's preying on people's fear right now that don't know a whole lot about crypto, because this is going out to mainstream media. It's very problematic and I don't like it. And again, it's very opportunistic. But please research what bill it was that SPF's parents, one of them helped her write or supported and it was a couple of years ago. I don't have it off the top of my head. I can't find it on the internet. But very interesting to see that or, and this bill come out. I think it is opportunistic. I think it's dangerous for both the points that both of you just raised. We hear the same narrative from Warren, I think, every time she speaks, right? We heard it this morning. We're seeing it again in this bill. Wendy, I agree with you. I think that preying on the fear in mainstream media and leveraging this um, connection between FTX and crypto and digital assets and kind of convoluting the message a little bit, I think here. Zach, what do you think? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'll take a step back. I think like this speaks to, I think, a failure on the part of the crypto industry to establish a progressive case for why crypto should exist. And I think the sad, sad irony of this whole FTX debacle is that SBF was the champion of a more Democrat-friendly case for why cryptocurrency should be allowed to thrive in the US, right? Crypto has long leaned libertarian. A lot of the people in the space are libertarian and or right-leaning. They are the people who are influencing a lot of these advocacy conversations, and they've traditionally had a more receptive audience on the Republican side of the aisle. I think people who see technology here in the crypto space as credibly neutral, some people are seeing the case presented here quite urgently for there to be a progressive champion of what crypto can represent in terms of financial freedom, uh, financial access, financial inclusion. That has yet to really resonate with anyone on the Democratic side of the aisle. And I think the FTX implosion further depletes um, the ability for Democratic lawmakers in D.C. to entertain crypto as something that is not an outright scam. And I think that's what we're seeing here in this bill. It seems, if you look at the language of this bill, this seems to be language that's being a bit recycled from some past efforts, right? This is not groundbreaking in terms of what's being presented, but it is groundbreaking in terms of the context and does speak to that need for there to be a more bipartisan message rather than something that's just like, you know, personal freedom, liberty, and, you know, keep the government off my coins, right? I think that is what people in policy circles are talking about as being sort of a challenge that the industry is facing 
right now, especially in the wake of SBF, this, uh, you know, the, the poster child for responsible regulation turning out to be a criminal here. Uh, Will, saw your hand, tossing it to you. Yeah, really quick before we move on to the next story here. I like that you brought up the Washington, D.C. angle, but I think it's also important to bring up the crypto culture angle, which I think is going to have very large repercussions with. After 2017, 2018, we saw that this Bitcoin maximalist group arose within the crypto community. I mean, had evolved for years, but I think the ICO boom really brought out this crowd that it's like only Bitcoin. They want responsible innovation. They really want privacy. And I'm not largely a fan of the way they do it, but some of their values are pretty strong in the face of what we've seen over the last few weeks. And I'm wondering if what happened with FTX, what happened with Voyager, what happened with Celsius, 3AC, so many other teams is going to uh, enliven that whole movement. And what are we going to see? Is there going to be more bifurcation between the crypto community? Is there going to be more diversion or uh, decisiveness between these camps? I'm confused to see what happens here, or I guess I should say like I'm anxious to see what happens here. Uh, but I think at the very least, we're going to get more conflict, not less. Zach, to you before we go into the next story. Last quick thought before we go international with your story, Will. It is wild to me that SBF was the entryway for a lot of these lawmakers into the digital asset conversation. And the fact that it has played out the way it has is wild. And I'm really fascinated to see what unfolds in D.C. following this thing just by virtue of this trusted figurehead ultimately selling snake oil. Will, back to you. Okay, North American-based hash is moving international. We're going over to India to follow up on a story that we've been following all year long. And that is about crypto prices in India and the willingness for people in India to exchange on crypto exchanges there based on new tax levies by the government. Earlier this year, the, the Indian government put on two different taxes on top of crypto exchanges, basically bringing them in line with online gambling and securities trading within the country. There's upwards of a 30% tax on all crypto trading, and then also a 1% transaction uh, tax on top of just moving crypto. And it certainly dampened willingness of Indian entrepreneurs and crypto traders to move coins around in the market. Interestingly enough, Binance has actually been a huge winner of this entire market because Binance is international outside India. People just throw a VPN on and continue to trade the coins just as ever. But a lot of the Indian-based exchanges are the losers of this, right? Because they're based in India, they have to uh, give in to the Indian government's laws, and that means they are losing uh, users and record numbers upwards of 80%. This is a huge loss for adoption in India, but it also might be a tale of, hey, we're in downward coin prices, so volumes are also going down at the same moment. Wendy, I want to throw the story over to you as it is a trading story. What's your take on crypto taxes in India? I don't like taxes at all, at all, any way, shape or form. And it's just really frustrating that all of these different countries keep changing things and they make it harder for people to really kind of break out and do well for themselves. So shout out to all my Indian brothers and sisters. I hope that you guys are doing well over there. I really, truly do believe that these taxes were put in place to dissuade Indians from trading crypto. There's a number in the article it says that the government has already collected $7.3 million from this tax deducted at source. So that's 1% of crypto transactions are held by the exchange as a tax and then re reported to or given to the Indian government. I think that's so sad when you look at the large population of Indians that are unbanked and the large population of Indians who do not trust their government. It's like they've found this alternative source. They found the source to 
store value to get involved in crypto. And now the government is making millions off of that through these very complicated new tax rules. I think it is just very sad. Will? Yeah, the one thing I want to bring up here is that there's been just a lot of uh, entrepreneurs coming out of India in the crypto scene. So Polygon slash Matic is probably the best representation of that. There's been a lot of interest of building crypto applications within India that I think just don't get highlighted because they don't get picked up in Western news media. And they should be highlighted because these are really important teams. Uh, just like the Polygon team has been explosive, like their growth and volume and metrics have been uh, pretty bonkers. And we don't talk about it as often. And things like this, this tax rate is going to really hurt those entrepreneurs' ability to grow that ecosystem in particular. So I'm wondering to see what the long tail effects of this are. Uh, I do think that uh, one part of the story is just that no one's really trading crypto right now. Like it's a depressed market. So why would there be an uptick in people trading crypto? Though the Binance numbers do push against that a little bit. Uh, the fact that people are moving over to Binance shows that there's sustained interest in trading crypto in the region. Zach, I'll give it up to you as we get close to close. Yeah, death and taxes, man. Can't avoid them. I mean, they're not going anywhere. And they're part of sort of common sense regulation for these new emerging asset classes. So taxes are taxes. Pay your taxes. It is what it is. People respond to different incentives when it comes to their finances. And I think the flight to Binance and other international exchanges is something that national regulators really have to think about, right? That doesn't always necessarily work out so well as we're seeing with some of these exchanges and other outfits that are going belly up. So the way to sort of regulate, again, a borderless system in the context of national tax regimes, something that hasn't quite been figured out entirely, but India sort of remains a mystery as it relates to the crypto story. There was a long time rumor that it was just going to be banned outright, something similar to China, at least, uh, where at least ostensibly, this wouldn't be something that was going to be allowed to flourish in the country. It wasn't that. And I think some of these regulations were seen as a win for the crypto sector. But obviously, with coin prices uh, trending downwards and as such atten attention to these assets trending downwards, I think some of this lack of interest should be expected, though the tax factor certainly is at play. All right, that's it for the show today. Sorry for like being the, the tax fan here at the end of the show, like death and taxes and stuff. Well, Ben Franklin, not cool. Thing. Really, really Sorry, quickly, guys. taxes are a What's scam, up? but please pay your taxes. Don't get in trouble. <laughs> there you go. Don't get in trouble, folks. All Financial right, that's advice. It. That is financial, financial advice. advice. They can't pay get mad at me for that. People. They can't. Pay your I'm dang taxes. <laughs> All right. Public goods. Thumbs up. All right. That's it for the show today. Thanks for being here. I'm Zach, Jen, Wendy, Will, Jazz Hands. We'll be back tomorrow. It's the hash. Coindesk TV. It rules. Keep watching. You've been listening to the hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 